We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, all right, all right, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to another edition of the IB Nation Sports Talk Show. I am Vince D'Addario. That's a Styers. It's not the normal <laughs> Styers that's here on a Monday. That's Jesse Styers, the progeny of Sean Styers. Sean is still in uh, recuperating mode. Doing well, though. Talked to him this afternoon. Doing very, very well. Hoping to be back for Saturday. So I've got my fingers crossed that I get my buddy in the press box uh, and we can watch a little Notre Dame football. But uh, so Sean is resting well. He's doing well. So all your prayers and everything have been very well received on his end. But we are going to have a little bit of fun today. Jesse was nice enough to join me today, just coming off of a a Labor Day camp out. (laughs) So he gets to have an actual roof over his head now and some technology at his fingertips. So Jess, what's going on, my man? Happy Labor Day. Happy Labor Day to you, too. It's it's uh, you know, I was talking talking to my girlfriend earlier and it's uh, what wouldn't be Labor Day without doing labor. I was getting all the <laughs> the 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 camping equipment packed up this yep. morning and it was pouring down rain and it wasn't mm. going to stop for like three or four hours. So I just kind of sucked it up, did it in the rain, <laughs> got home. It's still, you know, I don't know what it is like over there, but it's still overcast and kind of rainy here. So, you know, there's nothing nothing else I'd like to do right now. Then I haven't gotten to watch, you know, the 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 recap of any of the game or kind of go back and rewatch, which I, I would like to do and I'll do some point this week. But you know, a lot of it is just kind of initial thoughts from watching in the game and, yeah. you know, some obviously looking at some some smaller things after the game. But overall, it was a it's a good Labor Day weekend. It's the the kind of the kickoff to the, you know, the football season will get yeah. NFL next week. The full college season will be rolling. So this is this is my favorite time of the year It's you know, they call it kind of the end of the summer. But I love the fall. I love the weather. I love, you know, the football time. So I couldn't be happier. This is a great time of year. I mean, we got high school football, we got college football, we got the NFL, you got baseball playoffs right around the corner. I mean, everything kind of converges this time of year. And who doesn't love wearing a hoodie outside? I personally do. Exactly. You're wearing one now. <laughs> That's my kind of weather. Hoodie and jeans, the leaves are turning. This is the best time of year. Super excited about it. And we are, of course, we're going to talk college football on this one, but we are, we're going to have some other stuff we're going to talk about during rapid fire too, which I'm pretty fired up about as well so without further ado i this is my third show since the game concluded on saturday night we did a show a post-game show well into the morning on sunday i think we wrapped up around 2 30 in the morning eastern time we also did our upon further review last night if you haven't checked out either one of those shows make sure you do either on the podcast or over on youtube and of course as sean always says give us a like Hit that subscribe button. Share it with your family and friends. We'd all appreciate that. But today is Jesse's first time to kind of give his ideas and thoughts about, you know, this Notre Dame game that we saw against Ohio State, the number two team in the country, as I think we need to (laughs) remind people at times. And it was in Columbus. And I know you are a resident of Ohio, but if I don't go back to Ohio, it'll be too soon. Did not have a great experience outside <laughs> of the football game with the crazy people that were there. But I want your 
kind of takeaways from this game, both positive, negative. I mean, they did lose the game, so obviously there's some negative to go around. But Jesse Styers, tell me what you think. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The floor is officially mine. Uh, the way I kind of want to go about this is, you know, I kind of have some general thoughts of of what how I think the game went and then kind of breaking it down offensively, defensively, some of the things I'd liked and didn't like, uh, and you know, within those respective sides of the ball. And I, I think the first thing that you kind of have to look at is if you're going to tell me that the game would be, you know, 14 to 10 after three quarters against Ohio State, uh, there's no doubt that I would take that time and time again, uh, you know, especially considering that that, that – touchdown came at the end of the third quarter so really it was in a you know a, a game that was 10 to 7 predominantly of the time Notre Dame controlled was in control a lot of the game um, and you know the the thing you have to look at too is on defensively that first touchdown they gave up against Ohio State in the first half you know the only score they gave up Ohio State started with the ball around the 50 yard line so that's a tough spot for your defense to be in uh, so yeah that I think if you if you play out that scenario over and over, I would take, yeah. you know, the starting point at the end of the third quarter being a 14 to 10 game, considering who you're playing and the atmosphere and all those things. Um, you know, that I think that's, that's very, very positive thing uh, to look at. But the main story of this game is that Notre Dame, in my opinion, really didn't get aggressive enough when they had the lead, you know, when they were up that 10 to seven and the defense was just getting punt after punt after punt. And, you know, that really came back to bite them. Uh, because you know they weren't going to come scorching back. The offense and the game plan wasn't built around you know coming back uh, you know in one quarter down two possessions essentially. When they went down those eleven points, their offense isn't built to come back in, in a scorching manner. So I really think the offense didn't do enough when they had the lead. I think that they could have done more to get aggressive and really know that you know Ohio State was going to have to at some point have a final kind of kick or push in them, and they needed to have some sort of cushion or, you know, be ready to take that blow. Um, another thing that I, that I took away from the game or, you know, a big factor and everyone knows this and, you know, Marcus Freeman certainly knows it. He talked about it briefly in his press conference today is, you know, they, they quite frankly, they couldn't finish in, in the fourth quarter when they needed to, you know, obviously Ohio state scored that touchdown at the late end of the back half of the third quarter and then yep. scored a really, you know, another long possession where they ate a lot of clock ran the ball throughout the fourth quarter and, you know, that's that kind of that was Ohio State's, you know, kind of moment because throughout the game you talked to you heard them talk about Ryan Day saying that Ohio State wanted to establish an identity of this year of, you know, we can run the ball and we need to as well. We can get physical. We're not just this flashy, showy offense that's just going to throw the ball around, you know, and air it out. So you got to give kudos to Ohio State in that in that regard of they executed their game plan in the fourth quarter and really took took the game home. And I think that's the main story. And I was talking to you about this earlier before we went on Vince is Notre Dame can do, you can admit that Notre Dame did a lot of things really well in this game, but they also, you know, as a result of that did some things that weren't very good. And I think the things that you got to focus on when you're playing the number two team in the country are 
the things that they did really well and use the other, you know, situations where they didn't do as well to learn. And I think that's what Marcus Freeman was really trying to say, you know, in the press conference today is they are super aware of what went wrong and what they need to do. And so now it's, you know, identifying that, admitting that and just doing things to get better and not allow that to happen again. So those are some of my kind of overall key takeaways from the game. Um, I think I'll, I'll start on the defensive ball, side of the ball because I thought that that side played better as a unit than the offense. I thought they did better things than the offense. Um, and yeah, the, the defense really put on a clinic for the first three quarters of the game. Kind of talked about that earlier. The first touchdown OSU scored was a product of the field position when they practically started uh, at at midfield. And, and those were only, you know, the offensive points for Ohio State in the first half. Nerding gave up one touchdown you know, defensively to, to this high-powered, best offense in the country type, uh, you know, offense. And, you know, I, I thought, you know, a lot of Ohio State fans would blame this fact that, you know, Smith and Jigba got hurt. And, well, that was a product of, you know, Notre Dame coming out and just being yeah. more physical. Right. They, they took the punch to Ohio State. And, you know, Ohio State has depth everywhere. You can't, you know, I'm not saying that they're using that as an excuse, but they, they Ohio State has a lot of depth. Uh, offensively, and I really liked what Notre Dame did defensively. Disguise their coverages. Uh, they obviously they played two safeties over top, which allowed you know a big net allowed for you know that their their corners to not have to worry so much about being burned. And it, it really forced Stroud to go underneath and kind of take his plays three four yards at a time, make his reads. They really got him off his first read, which was really beneficial. You know, if you can get a quarterback off his primary read, that's that's something that's really good. And I thought Notre Dame executed. Uh, that really well. So, you know, I, I, on the on the defensive side of the ball, I would have liked them to get a little bit more pressure with their defensive front. Uh, there was times where they, you know, they just weren't getting home. They couldn't get Stroud down to the ground. Um, and, you know, in the, in the, I, there was a couple plays, you know, on that, that drive where they scored with, you know, the length of the field there towards the end where Stroud right, made that. some really good throws yeah. on the rollout along the sidelines that only a Heisman contending, you know, top five type, NFL draft quarterback is going to make and you just got to tip your hat in those situations because you know not I I guarantee you there's probably not another quarterback on this schedule that makes those kind of throws you know rolling towards the sideline and just kind of putting it on 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 a on a dime like that so that that last drive was really a combination of Ohio State you know doing the things that the number two team in the country should do and that's finishing a game and finishing out drives and getting the third down conversions because that's when, you know, that there was a third and three where Stroud rolled out to the sideline. I, I want to say the other one was at least a second along or maybe a third down too. So, you know, they really executed towards the end and it just sucks because it almost feels like a waste. But, you know, Notre Dame's, I think I saw Ohio State had 11 possessions. And out of those 11 possessions, you can really say that the defense only got beat like twice. And so, you know, two out of 11 possessions, I'll, I'll really take that against what's considered the best uh, offense in the country. So, Defensively, those are the things I liked. Uh, offensively, Notre Dame wanted to establish the run game, which was obvious through their two tight end packages. We saw that a lot early, which you know I was I was fine with uh, because that was the game plan. They wanted to control. They wanted to establish a run game. They wanted to control time of possession. They wanted to limit the opportunity uh, for for turnovers and that kind of thing. However, the, the running game just really never got going to to right, the to right. the degree that they wanted to. And at that point, it's, you know, what are you, what are you going to do to kind of when, how long are you going to ride that out before you, you get into something else? Because, you know, I was looking at some of the advanced stats today. The average point of contact for Notre Dame running backs was 0.4 yards beyond the line of scrimmage. That means they're getting met at the line of scrimmage. I mean, practically at the line of scrimmage, you know, on all of their run plays, which isn't really ideal. And, you know, Marcus Freeman kind of brought it up, but the off- offensive line, is still so young and then you throw in Patterson not being able to play and you're going to see some of those things exploited with a combination of when your best player is not playing and some of these younger guys you know Blake Fisher yes he's really good but he only played three games last year you know and this is you kind of saw that right two two games this is his third yeah you only you you saw that kind of come back because there were like the delayed blitz that got to Buckner where he was trying to throw that fade up the sideline to Lorenzo Styles where he was just you know just overthrew him that's a product of a delayed blitz, and, and, and you know the, the, he has to keep a, someone has to keep their head on the swivel uh, to pick up one of those guys. And 
you know, it just there was some things that the Ohio State defensive line did really well. You know, they played well, and you have to tip your cap again to Ohio State doing some of those things uh, really well as well. But, you know, kind of going back uh, to what I was talking about, the offense needed to open up a little bit more, in, in my opinion, at some point. You know, it couldn't be about limiting a chance for error. It had to be taking calculated shots to go and win the game when you're up 10 to 7. And I think that's the kind of the frustrating part is when you're up 10 to 7 against Ohio State and you're on the road and, you know, you're, you're kind of struggling, you're sputtering, you got to do things to get the offense going a little bit or take some shots because 10 to 7 wasn't going to last forever. You knew Ohio State was going to have, you know, something else kind of left in the tank. And I personally believe that Reese and the offense could have got a little more creative in the second half with their adjustments, uh, you know, compared to what, what they were doing in the first half because Ohio State was going to make their own adjustments. You know, they, they saw what Notre Dame's game plan was. And so I think Tommy Reese needed to have some things kind of ready, you know, to counter uh, Ohio State's counter, I guess, if you will. And, you know, they, they kept running out of those two tight end sets a lot to establish the run game, uh, which – helps you get one-on-one matchups, but you have to exploit those one-on-one matchups. You have to, you know, I, that tight end seam route was beautiful in the first half. And I, I, I don't doubt that it would have been there in the second half and, you know, running Tyree out on the perimeter with a one-on-one matchup and using his speed. I just felt like they could have done more in the passing game in the second half to take more shots uh, and, and really get some plays going to, to try to build on the lead rather than kind of being okay or comfortable with the 10, seven game. That was very thorough, and I appreciate it, <laughs> Jesse Styers. That's good stuff, man. And but you're right. I mean, everything you said is accurate. There, there's no doubt about it. And and look, Notre Dame had their opportunities. They they were whether you want to blame Tommy Reese or whether you want to take Marcus Freeman's word for it in his press conference today that he pretty much instructed Reese to call a game a certain way. How whoever's whoever you want to lay the blame, and either way is is accurate. To be honest with you. They, they weren't aggressive enough in the second half. They were playing with a 10-7 to 7 lead like they had a 2-3 to three score lead. That's what right. it felt like to me. And there were opportunities where they could have taken advantage of it, and they didn't. And the defense, on the other hand, they took some chances. And, yes, it bit them in the butt when they blitzed both their safeties on third and 11. They didn't execute it. And Marcus Freeman was very clear on it. He's like, yeah, that was our call, and we all agreed on it. He said Al Golden came to us, and you know, as he talked about this in the press conference today. He said, "He said I like this call here, and everybody agreed, including Marcus Freeman. They just didn't execute it. Right? The safeties were too deep. They, they, you know, they were late coming in, and you know, Jaden Mickey bit on a false step to the outside. He lined up properly. He lined up with inside leverage, and I think that people need to understand that. We talked about it last night in the show. We had a screenshot right before the snap." He was lined up to the inside of the hash and the receiver was lined up on the outside of the hash. He had inside leverage where he's supposed to be, but he bit to the outside. It wasn't even a great move, but he got inside. The receiver ended up getting inside leverage. Mickey had to do a complete 360 and that's why he was behind. Great throw, great recognition by Stroud. That was the game winner. You know, they took a chance. It bit him in the butt, you know, bottom line. Offense didn't really take any chances, you know. They they didn't take enough chances. That's that's where I'm at with that. So it is in the past. It is, you know, we're gonna talk a little bit about Marcus Freeman's press conference. There's a couple things I want to touch on, but this is definitely a game. And I think this is the most important part. And Marcus Freeman was very clear on that when he was talking at the press conference today. This is an opportunity for us to learn about our mistakes. It's it's an opportunity to move forward. You know, we've got a lot of season ahead of us. He's like, we practice for th- 300 days for 12 opportunities, 12 guaranteed opportunities. And one is in the bag. So they got 11 left, right? Their focus is on Saturday. Their focus is on Marshall. Their focus is on what is moving forward. And I think that's where the focus should be, right? I mean, that that's how it has to be. You have to learn from your mistakes. It's going to tell me a lot about this team on how they practice this week. You know, is the O-line okay with their performance? Are they going to come out? you know, ticked off. I don't think they're going to be allowed to not be ticked off because of who their (laughs) coach is. Right. And mistakes were made all around. So what does that look like? Are they back to the grindstone? You know, how does that work? That's going to be the interesting thing, you know, for me to see moving forward. Yeah. And I think, 
a big thing to look at in this situation is that Notre Dame still did a lot of good things on Saturday and they just couldn't quite, you know, finish when they needed to. And you have to realize that this team is so incredibly young in the aspect that they have a lot of guys playing in positions for the first time. You saw a lot of guys in the secondary step up against one of the best offenses in the country. And the secondary was really going to be, you know, a big kind of question mark. And they really stood up and, and rose to the occasion and, you know, I know Cam Hart struggled there for a little bit, but, you know, he got some relief and, and they were able to, you know, he was able to come back in later in the game and continue to make plays, which is a good thing to see. So like like you were saying, it's it's what can we take from this game and how are they going to use it as fuel going forward, knowing that, that they were this close to beating the number two team in the country in their stadium to open up the season. And that's another big factor that plays into this is this is the first game of the season. This is the first time. You're seeing live time going against someone else other than your own team. Um, And, you know, you're going to learn from a lot of things. You learn, you know, no matter who the opponent is going to be, there's nothing's going to be perfect. And there's going to be so many things to learn from in the first game. It just happened to be that this opponent was Ohio State. And it was, you know, the game, the, the, the national game of the week, essentially. And so there was a lot of expectations and a lot of eyes on the game. Uh, But, you, you know, this team is still young and they're still learning how to play together. Um, and to be thrown against Ohio State, a really good team in the first game, I think they showed a lot of really good things, a lot of maturity. They showed a lot of preparation um, and just, you know, a lot of overall commitment to the game plan and and hustle. You know, you saw them out there busting their butts, playing hard, playing physical, not giving up on plays, the excitement, you know, the well being well coached. There was a lot of good things to take away from this game. So I think going forward, you, you know, getting to play a team like Marshall next week, I think you're really going to see – you know, both sides of the ball click really well. Uh, you know, at least that's what you would like to see. But absolutely, after going against a, a high opponent like Ohio State, I think that you know you we're going to see a lot of better things next week, and that I think that's even more exciting because the more games we get to see, we get to see the team get better and kind of that momentum start to build. Absolutely. Let's talk about a few items uh, from the press conference that we may not have you know touched on. Just yet, obviously, we touched on the double safety blitz. You know, Freeman was very clear on that. It was a call that they made, et cetera, et cetera. It was just a mistake by Jaden Mickey, by a true freshman, et cetera. I want your thoughts on that play specifically. Is that a play, if you were the defensive coordinator, is that a play you are going to call there, given the situation, given the down and distance? It was third down and 11. You're up 10 to 7. They're in plus territory, probably holding to a field goal if they don't get that. What what are you thinking about that? Because I think all of us watching it live, it looked like Jaden Mickey thought he had safety help. But it turns out when you watch it back, that is not the case at all. And then Marcus Freeman kind of reiterated that in the press conference. So I just want Jesse Styers, <laughs> defensive coordinator, what are you doing in that particular scenario? So I'm it's so hard to say because, you know, in retrospect, it already happened. And so it's hard to say, you know, this is what I would have done, but I think in real time, there's things that I would have considered. Um, I like the idea of blitzing and getting someone in Stroud's face, just disrupting, you know, getting someone. And I like the fact that it came from up the middle because to me, when you're when you're getting, you know, pressure up the middle, the quarterback feels it more so than the, the outside pressure, because from the outside pressure, you can step up and still get into your throw. But when you're up in the middle like that, there's nowhere to really step to. The guy is literally, you know, kind of in your face. So I like the idea of doing that. I know it, it is third and 11. I don't, I, what I don't like is going cover zero. I, I think if I were to, because I, like I said, I like the idea of blitzing. I like getting it up the middle. I think I would have went with a more of a cover one type situation and just brought one of the safeties sure. and really left that other guy in the middle of the field. I don't think that they're, I don't think you had to commit both safeties on that play given the down and distance given the fact that Ohio State's field goal kicker did miss a field goal in similar range kind of earlier in the game. I think, you know, you played such a well game. And I no, and I do like, you know, rolling the dice in that situation. But once again, I think you have to leave someone in the middle of the field because, you know, like Herb Street and Fowler were talking about the entire game. That's what was helping Notre Dame so much and disrupting Stroud up until that point is that those safeties were back there. So it didn't allow Stroud, you know, to hit that deep kind of home run ball or those routes that they like, you know, over the middle or deeper, they had to go with the shorter routes. And, you know, in third and 11, you have to get something deeper. Uh, so I, I just personally would have left one of those safeties back there. I like the concept of blitzing and bring it up the middle. But 
cover cover one would have been kind of my safety net. I think they just went too they sold out too much in that instance, uh, given kind of what was on the line in that situation. But like I said, it's so easy for me to say absolutely right now. Um, but yeah, I just I don't think I would have vacated the middle of the field like that. It's just I think that's too not too easy for Stroud because you know he struggled all night, but if you're going to leave a spot open on the, the field, I wouldn't leave the middle of the field open, uh, you know, given kind of the down and distance and what they need to needed to get in on that play. But that's just my personal opinion. No, no, no. And that's what I asked for. That, that's perfect. I, For me, I don't necessarily mind the call if Tariq Bracey is still in the game. That is the biggest bugaboo for me with that particular call. Tariq Bracey was the best defensive back in the game last night. Very good point because, on, yeah, Bracey played the best game. He, yes. He, it was amazing watching him out there. But, yeah, yeah continue. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, no. You're good, man. He had the best game of any defensive back on the field, whether, you know, offense, you know, or, excuse me, Notre Dame, Ohio State. He played the best of anybody. If he's still in the game, I'm fairly confident in zero coverage. And, obviously, the it was not executed, which hurt. It, it makes it look even worse. I mean, let's be honest. It makes it look even worse because you're just taking those two guys out of the play, essentially. So knowing that I've got a true freshman in the slot, and I believe, if my notes are correct, that's the first time. He only played 12 snaps, and that was the first time he played a nickel snap all night long. I'm keeping a safety back. I'm going cover one just because of that. If Bracey's still in the game, take your shot, man. Take your chance. I have no problem with it because I think Bracey covers their fourth or fifth receiver whatever Jackson is. I mean, he clearly wasn't a starter. He was playing uh, because there were two wide receivers hurt for Ohio State. That's the only reason he was in the game. And I feel very confident that Tariq Bracey covers him no problem if he's in the game. But he was out of the game. He was cramping up. I just don't know if you do that with a true freshman. That's my only armchair quarterback situation for the defense, really. The bottom line, and we would kind of roll into the next point here from the press conference, Marcus Freeman talked about we have to finish. We played a great game for three quarters. You have to finish. And that 95-yard drive that Ohio State put together basically took the soul from the defense. And they just they had opportunities to make plays in that drive. They flushed Stroud out of the pocket. Stroud made plays. The offensive line made plays. Notre Dame didn't on that drive specifically. That was where the game really shifted. It was that 95-yard drive, man. And you could almost see like Notre Dame's defensive soul like flying away as that drive got Yeah, it was just body blow after body blow, especially with Mayan Mayan Williams in there. And then, you know, you bring in Travion Henderson. And they they even made a comment at one point, you know, Travion Henderson is more of the elusive back going to make you miss. And then he's all of a sudden putting his foot in the ground and trying to run you over after, you know, just trying to have to deal – with Mayan Williams. And I'll tell you what, as a linebacker, that is not a good feeling when you have, when you have that bowling ball of, you know, when you know a running back is not going to basically try to make you miss and he's just going to put his foot in the ground and you just got to buck up in the hole. And you could tell it was just body blow after body blow. And, you know, it's kind of funny to think about because Ryan Day almost took Notre Dame's approach and applied it in the fourth quarter. And that's, you know, that's what kind of, you know, won the game. For him as he said you know we're gonna we're gonna hanker down here we're gonna run the ball down your throat go power on power big on big and that's what they did they ate up the clock they controlled the whole fourth quarter they put together their best drive of the game and that won them the game so that was kind of the interesting thing for me to see is they flipped the, you know ohio state flipped the script in that fourth quarter and said yeah. okay we're gonna kind of basically do what you guys were wanted to do this game and like i said run the ball eat the clock and get a you know get a, a big timely score and that's exactly what they did. So it would have been nice to see, you know, the, the defense make a stand on that drive because they knew that the run was coming. It seemed like, you know, majority of the time, but they just got just executed better. And, you know, kind of going back to the main topic here of finishing the game, I think that's a product of these, you know, Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman getting more time together, you know, getting, getting th- those things are going to naturally take care of themselves you know, as, as things go on, these players will learn how to finish together. They'll learn Marcus Freeman will know, learn how to get his players to finish in the fourth quarter. Uh, so, you know, that's not something I'm super worried about going forward. 
uh, just given who the opponent was, given you know, given the talent, the the, the environment that they were placed in, uh, it, it, you know, just the better team kind of finished that game, and that's okay for where Notre Dame is at right now, in my opinion. I think if we play this game again, you know, after after you know six months here, you know, sorry, three four months, and I think there would be a different outcome. I think Notre Dame would you know have a better chance of finishing, and you would see you know a different game kind of unfold. 12, you know, three, four months from now compared to the first game of the season and, you know, Marcus Freeman and his staff getting acquainted with all these players. Another point that Marcus Freeman, and it seemed like he had, he wanted to make sure that he got this out. Now, whether it's a smoke screen or whether it's damage control or, or what, he made a point to say, look, I had an offensive game plan in mind. I had a plan going into this game that I instructed Tommy Reese to follow, and he did that. And right right or wrong, Tommy Reese is getting a lot of flack for his play calling on Saturday night, from me included. <laughs> I'll be the first one to admit it, from me included, and I'm still not happy about it. So is it right or wrong that we're only blaming Tommy Reese, or since now we heard Marcus Freeman talk about this is the game plan that he instructed Tommy to go with, do we shift some of that blame? Like, where where do you fall on this, and how do you feel? Where do you th- where do you think Irish fans should be? Their ire should be right now. <laughs> you know, I, I I really thought that Marcus Freeman and company put together the game plan that was going to be required to beat Ohio State. And I think as a head coach, it's complete completely reasonable to say this is how I want to manage this game. This is how I'd like this game to kind of be run take that and do whatever you want with it. He, it's not like he told Tommy Reese, these are the plays I want you to run. I'm this. He said, this is the game and this is how I want the game to go. You know, tailor your offense to, to do that. And I think that, you know, the way that the game plan was set up, that's how they were going to win. If Notre Dame was going to win, it was exactly what their game plan was going to be um, Saturday night. They just didn't completely fulfill it. And I think like we were talking about, it's one thing to have a game plan and to go into the game and, you know, you're executing, you're doing what you wanted because that's what they were doing. They were up 10 to seven, you know, basically with the third quarter winding down. But at some point you kind of have to abandon the game plan. Like we were talking about in game, there's just certain things you don't plan for in certain situations that arise. And you have to be able to say, okay, we've gotten to where we are right now because of the game plan, but it's time to take shots. It's time to open up and use some of our more creative plays and personnel that we've been practicing this week and get a score here and screw the game plan because right now it's about getting a score and doing everything we can to get a score. So I don't mind kind of, you know, what you were talking about. And I don't think Tommy Reese should be, you know, uh, obviously he, he was doing what he was instructed, but I think at some point as a collective coaching staff, they need to say, okay, game plan, let's set this to the side. We need a score now, Tommy, what can you do to open up the playbook here a little bit more and get us a score? So I think that's the direction I would have liked to see things go. Um, so, yeah, I think Tommy was just doing, you know, kind of essentially what his boss was telling him to do, you know, for the for what was required. But at some point they needed to get away from it and take their shots. So I hope that answered your question. It does. Way. No, it absolutely does. And I agree with you. Changes needed to be made. Be, and they were made slightly. And we talked about that in the post, not post-game show, but during and upon further review last night, we showed people on film – how things were changed, they just didn't execute it, right? They, they didn't execute it. So here, here's my next question for you. In typical Notre Dame fashion, people either seem to love the Notre Dame quarterback, Tyler Buckner, or they seem to think that he's clearly not the answer. Somebody said that they're still one position player away from being a good team, and that's at quarterback, you know, all of these different things, right? What are your thoughts? Number one, I know I'm going off script here, but I still want to get your opinion on it. What are your opinion? Uh, what's your opinion of Tyler Buckner? Number one, from the one game that we've seen him play, where he's been the starting quarterback, and number two, did it feel to you like he was a bit handcuffed and wasn't really allowed to show what he can do in this particular game? Yeah, and that's uh, before you kind of you know got that last point in there. That's kind of what I was predominantly thinking is. Tyler Buckner did well for what he was asked to do in the game plan. He was asked to come out, establish a run game, uh, and and really throw passes kind of when needed. But they weren't they they weren't high leverage passes. You know they weren't they weren't really deep. You know considered deep shots on the field. They weren't 
He wasn't going through much progressions. It was kind of almost like, here's where we want you to go with the ball. Just kind of do it. So yeah, I, I felt like Buckner played, played well uh, for what he, for what he was given, but I thought he, he also could have excelled in some of his other situations. I think there were a couple, you know, you know, I have to go back and watch, but in live time, it seemed like there were some RPO reads where I really thought he could have kept it uh, on some of them and really, you know, kind of yanked it out of the, the, the back's belly and kind of picked up some extra yards here and there. Um, but yeah, I, I think I would like to see more out of Buckner because I don't think we saw his full arsenal of what he can really do as a quarterback. Um, but I do, I do think that for what he was asked to do, he he executed at a pretty, you know, pretty good level. Is there things he could have done better? Obviously, yeah. But you know, you can't you can't get mad at a quarterback for not showing you things that he wasn't necessarily asked to do. Great answer, great answer. <laughs> Love where your head's at with that one, kid. All right, next point. Uh, I kind of went through and you know just kind of went in order to be honest with you. Let's talk about Jared Patterson. Obviously. When you lose your All-America caliber guard captain from the offensive line, it hurts. And obviously, Marcus Freeman was asked about Jared Patterson, why he didn't play. They gave him a shot during pregame. He tried to give it a go. He just couldn't go. Andrew Kostafik goes in for him, plays left guard, and the offensive line struggled. What are you thinking and doing with Jared Patterson moving forward, considering who Notre Dame has on their schedule coming up. You got Marshall, you got Cal, and then you go on the road, I believe, to North Carolina after a bye. So what are your thoughts on Jarrett Patterson, and where do you go with him? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. At this point, if he wasn't going to be ready for Ohio State, I think he, you, you kind of just have to tell him or, or be in the, the mindset of, okay, then let's just wait till he's 100%. Let's not push anything. Let's not get him back just to have him back. He already kind of missed, you know, in this first month of the season, he already missed what was going to be the most important game. Um, And, you know, they still did a lot of things well and not, yeah, I guess you could say got by, you know, without him. You'd obviously like to see him in there because they're going to be better as a unit. Uh, But when someone's hurt like this and you're playing Marshall and you're playing Cal and then you have a bye week after that, there's no real reason to rush anyone back. I think he just wait till he's 100%. He has no pain. He's all, you know, all comfort. And you can just roll into the season after that, because to me, what's worse is if you force him out, not force him out there, but you try to rush him in for a Marshall game, a game in which you can probably win without him. He gets further hurt and he's out for the Clemson or the USC type situations where you want to have your best unit out there. And even North Carolina, you know, their offense is still a very, you know, they're, they're good. I know they put up a lot of points against a, a kind of average team, but you know, they still did a lot of things well. So I would like to have him back for North Carolina. And at this point, I think there's no real reason to rush until he's 100%. Well, North Carolina is almost a month away at this point. So, I mean, you got a lot of opportunity to rest him. You're going to be able to win against Marshall and Cal without Jarrett Patterson. And if he's 100%, you put him in, period. You know, you put him in, no problem. But if he's not, why push it? Because you're going to need him down the stretch. You're going to need him... I think for North Carolina, you're going to need him for BYU. You're going to need him for Clemson. You're going to need him for USC. You know, you're going to need him for all of those different things. So, or all those different games. So, yeah, I, I'm in a total agreement with you. You hold him out now. Like, it would have been great if he could have gone against Ohio State. It would have been great. Even a 90%, 85% Jarrett Patterson would have been better than the alternative. It would have been. Because not only would he have been better than his replacement, that's why he's a replacement, Right, it's nothing against Christophic, <laughs> but there's a reason he's the backup, right? I think so, that's my favorite part about depth charts that people fail to realize is like <laughs> these coaches have been around them for oh yeah months and all these things, and you see it's like there there's a there's a one and two for a reason, everyone. Hundred <laughs> percent, and it it it's hilarious to me what I, somebody said this on another podcast I was listening to when it comes to depth charts and how people get 
so riled up and so excited about guys they've literally never seen play in college. But they've <laughs> got to be better than the guy that's in there. they got to be better. Yeah, because things aren't going well. As right. soon as things aren't going well, there's got to be someone that's better. <laughs> that's just magically going to fix oh. everything. Coaching would be so easy if that were the case, Vince. We could yes. just put in whoever and things would magically just be better. Right, especially the kid that's never played. And <laughs> you're good. You're clearly good. You know, that's always, that's always my favorite. That's always my favorite. Because fans think that coaches don't put the best players on the field. They're, right. They're just purposely, they just want to lose. They're purposely, uh, you know, whatever. Anyway, that's the coach and me talking. I've had too many conversations with parents on that one. So, so yes, that's Jarrett Patterson, granted. How do you, no, I'm going to, no, never mind. I was going to ask you a different question. We're going to get into that in rapid fire. I'm going to try to stick to the script here as much as possible. <laughs> all right. So he talked about what he wants to see from his players moving forward, right? Big emotional game on the road. They had plane issues apparently coming home. They didn't get home to the wee hours of the night. So they gave him Sunday off. What are you looking, if you're in Marcus Freeman's shoes, if you're a position coach on this team, what are you looking for from your players after a game like this and what they have to look forward to for the rest of the season? 11 games and a lot still standing in their way. What are you looking for when you see these guys come into the meeting room today, practice field tomorrow, etc.? You know, the, the main thing I'm looking <clears throat> for is almost establishing this as the baseline. You say, okay, guys, this is the number two team in the country you know, these are the things that we did well. These are the things we did in preparation. These are, you know, this is the effort you gave and this is the outcome that we had. Now, what can we do this week, you know, to do the things we did well, even better? What can we do to fix our mistakes? And, you know, the main thing, and I think this is what Freeman talked about, is there needs to be more intensity this week than there was last week. Just because you're not playing Ohio State and, you know, you're playing Marshall and it's on home and it's not a ranked opponent, you have to have a higher intensity this week. There needs to be an like a hunger and an urge to kind of, you know, fix what happened last week and come out and show everyone this week that, you know, that we've come out and we're even hungrier now. You know, we learned from our mistakes. We, we upped our intensity. We had better practice. We got better as a unit. And so I really think that comes from establishing this Ohio State game as the baseline because you can learn from so many things. It's the first game of the season you know, it doesn't really hurt them for their end goals at the end of the season, considering we're Ohio, it's the first game of the season, we're Ohio State's likely to end by the end of the season. You know, those things need to be taken into account. So if you settle on Ohio State being the baseline of, you know, this is what we input and this is what our output was, okay, let what more can we add to our input and, you know, practice at a higher level, practice with a, a much higher, you know, intensity and see what our outcome can be you know, based off of that. So the main thing that I'm, I'm getting at is you just want these guys and you want Freeman to bring out that hunger in them. You want these guys to be hungry dogs that just want to go out there every week and just be ready to prey on their opponents and, and, and learn from, you know, everything that happened the week before and, and, and forget about it. It's so weird because you want to forget about the loss, but you still want to remember the things you know, that you did well and the things that you can do to get better for the next week going forward. So I really hope that we see these guys not take the loss too hard and really use it as motivation to get better for the rest of the season. Absolutely. Let me also ask you a question. We kind of covered this in the post game show and, but I wanted to get your opinion on this. So again, going off script here. So I'm, I'm, I'm dialing into that brain of yours. There were definite mistakes on the offensive line, right? Are you replacing people after one game of the season? Are you are you putting new starters in? Let's say Jarrett Patterson is healthy for Marshall. Okay, so in this scenario, Jarrett Patterson is healthy. So you have your pick of all of the offensive linemen on this team. Are you benching people? Are do you have a new starting five? You're the coach. Go. I'm not necessarily going with the new starting five, and we kind of I talked about this very very early in this show is. You know, outside of, you know, with a, with a healthy Patterson, they still have two young players, guys with, you know, not a lot of experience, but are uber talented. Um, and so when you throw in the Patterson not being there, you kind of have three kind of fresher guys or guys that are have limited experience kind of consider, you know, compared to your other your other two veterans on the line. 
And so I don't think it's necessarily about replacing people. It's just learning how to, you know, the offensive line is, is a web of guys. It's not, yes, it's an individual, but you're all working, you know, together. So I think that the, the focus should be more on those guys coming together and spending a lot of time in the field film room together of cues and ways that they can help each other out. Because I think that they were executing at the level that they were supposed to. It's just, you know, sometimes, Instead of, you know, you saw a couple of times Ohio State guys coming through untouched. Well, it was just because the offensive line guy didn't simply come off of his block. You know, he didn't, right, he, didn't right. he didn't account for the guy that was showing late. And that's what you have to attribute to a good Ohio State defensive game plan. You know, and they executed what they were supposed to in those delay kind of pressures and things is you got to have your head on that swivel and knowing to come off of a double team and picking up a guy that's yep. coming a little bit later. So. I don't think it's necessarily a, a product of, you know, the guy's talent and all those things. It's just a, a product of them working together as a, as a connected five, you know, five man offensive line and, and going into the, the film room and really learning kind of the things that I just talked about, you know, keeping your eyes active at all times, communicating with each other better on pressures and stunts and that kind of thing. And really that's only going to come with game experience and so, you know, the more you allow those guys to play together and not disrupt that kind of flow, you're going to get more game experience and really diving into that film and learning the tendencies from Marshall. You know, as a group, they need to figure out what's going to be coming from Marshall. And like I said, the main thing is just keeping their head on a swivel. You know, I, I really think that would take care of a lot of situations is just actively looking for someone to block at all times, because if you don't have your own man to actively block, there's got to be someone that you can get to. Right. Like there's got to be someone you can get your hands on. So I really like what they did. I just wish that it was a little bit more cleaned up. So I, I don't think I'd go full blown. Okay. It's time to blow this up. I think it would just be more about tweaking some things and that's what they're going to do. They have a great offensive line coach. He knows what needs to be done. He's a perfectionist himself. And I just don't think, you know, you'll see those kind of mistakes again. And if you do, that's when you start to consider, okay, is this guy just not doing, you know, executing how he's supposed to be because you know, at least when I was playing, a lot of times is okay, you can mess up once, but when you start repeating the same mistake two and three times, it's obvious that you're just not getting it at that point. So, yeah, and I will reiterate what I said earlier. When you're fourth on the depth chart, there's a reason. Okay. I, I love Rocco Spindler's high school film. I think he was one of the better recruits in that class. He's a, he's a good player, he's a good player. He is clearly, in the coach's eyes, the fourth best guard on this team. There's a reason for that, okay? So everybody just needs to tamp the brakes a little bit on a guy you've literally never seen play at the college level. And the spring <laughs> game doesn't count, okay? So pump the brakes on Rocco Spindler. If he's good, if he was good enough to play, he would have played last night over Andrew Kristoffic. He would have. He was listed behind... Jarrett Patterson on the depth chart for Ohio State and Andrew Kristoffic played left guard. Okay. The depth chart for Marshall now has Andrew Kristoffic backing up both guard positions. There's a reason for that. Okay. So just want to make sure everybody's aware of that. Everybody just relax. <laughs> I still have a lot of faith in Harry Heastan. He's got a hell of a lot of first round picks playing in the NFL right now. All pro guys, not just yes. first round picks. Yeah, exactly. He will get this offensive line right. Okay. So I'm still sticking with that in my head. Still very confident in Harry Heastan and what he can do with this group. So everybody just take a freaking break on <laughs> a deep you know, breath. Throwing Harry Heastan out with the bathwater. Okay. So <laughs> settle down. All right. Got that off my chest. Okay. <laughs> So, that's it really from the Marcus Freeman press conference. Are you ready to jump into a little bit of rapid fire? Because we've got some some fun stuff to talk about here. I, I think, think we got through the heavy hitting stuff. So, yeah. the, 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 the rapid fire is always a nice <laughs> steady decline after just getting take a all... deep breath. Everybody can yeah. just take a deep breath and we can just have a little fun here we with can rapid fire. We can start to fire. agree on things again. Yes, absolutely. We can have a little bit of fun here and know that... This Notre Dame team is about to whoop up on some people over the next few weeks. So, <laughs> and that's the exciting thing is just looking at the way that the day, the way that the team was prepared and came out to play compared to other big games of the past. It's like those things should make you excited 
um, as a fan. And the fact that it was a 10-7 game going, you know, almost to the basically the end of the third quarter is like, it just seemed like the team. I was. I made a comment of it when I was watching it. Just, I, I got happy seeing Marcus Freeman on the sideline as the head coach. You know, yeah. he just he just looked like he was. You know, I know the players like him, respect him more. That you could tell that they want to play for him oh. more. They're giving more effort for him, right. and those things are what should excite you because you know the talent in which he's bringing in as well, combined with the things I just talked about. Like he just looks. You know, I, I like I said, I got happy seeing Marcus Freeman on the sideline. He just looked like that guy that should be leading Notre Dame right now. And it just helps too that he's, you know, he's a young, very well-mannered, demeanored guy. And it it just, I I like everything about Marcus Freeman and and the direction in which things are going. And look, Hey, here's the fun part, right? What was one of our biggest detractors of the past regime at Notre Dame when it came to big games that they weren't ready to play, right? they, They weren't, it was a business trip and it was just like any other game and all look, this team was ready to play. They played hard. They played their butts off. Did they make mistakes? Yeah. Did they have some issues with some execution? Yeah. No doubt about it. But they were they came to play. So check that box right there. Marcus Freeman knows how to get guys ready to play. Check. Okay. I think we saw last night. There's other people that don't know how to get people ready to play a big game. Okay. So I'll leave Perfect it Perfect ending to that. Yes, that's right. <laughs> This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.